How you do? Well, let's bring us up here, Jack. Folks, how you doing today? And welcome to the New York Sports Heroes Show as we got one of the boxers, New York Sports Heroes, one of the best boxers I've ever seen fight, uh, Jack, when I was growing up. This man challenged Larry Holmes for the championship, gave him a heck of a fight, one of the greatest fights I've ever seen. And not only that, amateur, great amateur fighter, Golden Glover in New York, Golden Glove champion. And all of you out there know him, know him well. Jack and I, Jack knows him well. And I, like I said, I've seen him fight. So without further ado, let's bring in heavyweight contender and great boxer, and now a broadcaster in boxing, the great Jerry Cooney. Let's call him heavyweight icon. He'll always heavyweight be like icon. his whole life. A contender, that's a former thing, but icon, he still is. Listen, you guys are making me blush over here. What's up with that, bro? You know, as Tom Mack before the show, your nickname was Gentleman Jerry Cooney. But I don't know why they gave you that nickname, Jerry. You went hard on sparring partners in the ring. I did. You didn't know how to go easy. Now, outside the ring, you have a gentle personality. You wouldn't, you know, you wouldn't go at it at the guy unless you really hated him. But in the ring, you didn't yeah. know how to hold back. Even if you loved the guy opposite you, you'd still go hard on him. Well, you know what? That's, that's a great uh, thing that you bring up because my trainer thought I was too much of a nice guy. And he used to make me work hard with the guys. He used to make me train hard to get me more angry and and uh, and to be more explosive. And and that was a, a thing that they did purposely for me. And I, I went through tons of sparring partners, knocking guys out all the time. That it cost me a fortune through the years. But, you know, uh, and... Listen, I, I had a great career. I, I had a great time. I met all everybody I could ever imagine I wanted to meet. And I got to fight for the heavyweight championship of the world. Now, did I make some mistakes? Yeah. We're going to talk about them tonight and some other things. But listen, I, I, I lived the dream. And I saved my life. And I saved my money. And I got a great family today. And I'm excited about that. Well, Jerry, let's let's go back to the beginning, right? I, I want to know what drew you to boxing. I mean, you could have done a lot of things at six foot six. I mean, you could have played probably a, a lot of different sports. What drew you to boxing? You know, the funny thing was, I grew up in a very rough alcoholic family. My father was very abusive, and my brother left the house when he was fifteen, and used to go to a boxing gym, and I loved that guy, and I used to follow him there three nights a week, and I got in the ring and boxed this kid. He slapped me all around, and I went home. I said, forget it. But I went down in the basement at 15 and a half, and I realized he was going to come at me. And then three days later, I went back to the gym, and I asked if I could box that kid again at 15 and a half, and he couldn't do that to me again. And then six months later, I won the middleweight title in the Golden Gloves, and it fed me. It helped me express my anger for what was happening at home, and they put my picture in the paper, so it made me somebody. That's how so, they came prize fighter. So so your your amateur record, if I'm correct, was 28 and is it 28 and three? No, that 57 was, and three. 57 right, exactly, and three. Exactly, exactly. And you trained out of the Washington Athletic Club in Long Island. Is that correct, Jerry? No, it was the Huntington Recreation uh, okay. in, in Huntington. And we, we used to train at a junior high school. They were nice enough to give us this gym. There's no ring. Stimson Junior High School. We used to go there three days a week and pound it out with so many different guys. And, and, uh, and, you know, boxing is big now on the island. I mean, you got Joe Smith is fighting for the – he won the championship of be fighting. You had Chris Algieri, 
who just lost a, a you know terrible knockout, but was a great fighter. And you have some other great names, the Davis brothers, uh, uh, you know Howard Davis, who won the gold medal in 1976. God rest his soul, he passed on us. But boxing is big in Long Island, and I'm I'm glad to have been a part of it. And uh, did I make some mistakes? Yeah, I I drifted away. I got a little bit scared, or or uh, didn't know how to handle success. And I had nobody in my corner that I could trust. And I made some mistakes. But I'm here to talk about it and maybe help somebody in the future not take that same path. Well, Jerry, uh, you're, you're a pro, your pro career is 28 through 24 knockouts. You beat Jimmy Young, Ron Lyle, knocked out Ken Norton. Now, that's the fight I first saw you fight in. And uh, in 54 seconds, this is unbelievable. I expected, you know, Ken Norton was a great heavyweight champion at one time. Uh, fighting Muhammad Ali unbelievably um, and and took him three three fights and it was close every time. You walked in there and just knocked him through the ropes for God's sakes. And I said, that guy's got unbelievable power. So during that fight, what possessed you? I mean, you just went out and fired on all cylinders. You attacked Ken Norton um, like I'd never seen anyone else. What What was going through your mind before and after the fight? Okay, well, all those points are great that you made. The problem that I had was that Don King owned every heavyweight except me, and my managers made it sound to me like they were doing the best thing for my interest, but I wasn't getting the experience. Had I been with a guy like Bob Hope, I'm not Bob Hope, Bob Arum, top rank, he would have he made me work. He would have put me in the ring with guys that were going to help me develop so that when the time came for me to fight Larry Holmes, I'd be more prepared. Listen, so the Kenny Norton fight, I probably could have beat anybody that night. I was in such great shape. And I knew that when the bell rang, I had to let him feel my power. I wanted him to feel my power and let him know what I got. And I hit him with the right hand, and he buckled a little bit. And I felt good. And I spun him into the corner, and I, he was bobbing and weaving, and I caught him with an uppercut. And 54, you could have counted him to 100. He got knocked on cold. And, you know, realistically, I think fighters in their careers, they don't know their big punches. I mean, George Foreman said I was one of the hardest guys that ever hit him. But, you know, when you're fighting, I don't, I never got that. I just, I had to survive. It wasn't like it was a great sport for me. It was a survival of the fittest for me. I wanted to win. I didn't, I, when the bell rings, I was a gladiator. And he was a gladiator. I got to get you. And that's how life was for me back then. I got to share with you a little story. This was over 30 years ago. You know, one of your co-managers was Mike Jones. The other was Dennis Rappaport. But I was talking with Mike Jones at Kutcher's Country Club. It was around 1989. And he told me there was a debate within your camp whether you should have fought Larry Holmes, a WBA champion, Mike Weaver. Yeah. And it was split. He wanted you, Mike Jones, to fight Larry Holmes because he felt even if you didn't win the fight, you'd win because you're taking on a great champion and it would elevate your status. And it did elevate your status even mm -hmm. with a loss as time went by, even though you didn't feel that way at the time. And Dennis Rappaport leaned towards the Mike Weaver fight. But ultimately, it was your decision and you wanted to take on the guy you felt was the best, the ultimate, the real champion and Larry Holmes. I mean, tell us about that, you know, the well, interaction. See, okay, so now, to my knowledge, they would never tell me about Mike Weaver. I didn't know any of those experiences. Now, Mike Weaver didn't take a good shot, so I had a good chance of knocking him out early on. But Holmes was the guy. 
that we won. He was the greatest, the best fighter in the world. He was undefeated for so long. And it was a great, every, the whole scenario was great. I knocked out Norton. I'm getting a shot at the guy, you know, and, and uh, he was angry at me because, because I was getting the attention he never got. And it wasn't because of I was white, although he wanted to say that. It was because, you know, in my opinion, people wanted to see a breath of fresh air. I was a, I was the guy who was running every day, the sanitation company, the recreation companies. They loved me. We were we were connected. I was a working, I was a working man's fighter. And they would could could get inside me and on the weekend they come home if I'm fighting people are working two or three jobs a week they get to come home and watch me fight and if I win they have a better week and so that's how I looked at it as and listen there was racism going on it did not come from Larry Holmes and it did not come from Jerry Cooney it was built up by you know promoters and other people to make money and it was a terrible situation I was in Las Vegas training for the fight, I had no time to talk about racism. I was living my dream. I was living my, I was going to fight for the heavyweight championship of the world. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, 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 I can, uh, I can see that Jerry and, and, and to touch on that real quick. I mean, Don King uh, was a promoter that, that would want to grab the headlines. And I know a lot of things he did was just for headlines. And I think a lot of that came out of that camp as far as, calling you the great white hope and you know all that stuff that went on uh before that fight leading up to that fight i don't know if that's right or wrong i mean it's it's right for grabbing headlines but i think it was wrong to pit that kind of fight when you're talking about two great fighters going up against each other i mean i know uh at that time there were more black fighters than white fighters that's that's the way it was but still i think it should have been more about you your record against Larry Holmes and his record, and that's where it should have went. But I think Don King, in my opinion, anyway, took it down that road, Larry. Well, and and I and I can agree with that. And I don't know about my management if they took it down that road. I really don't know, but I know that I needed four or five or six more fights that I couldn't get. I couldn't receive. I was fighting once a year in my heyday, and and King kept me out purposely because I wouldn't sign with him, and and so if I beat Holmes, he would be out of the picture. So, I mean, it's, it, this is boxing. This is how boxing ran back then. It's better today. I'm enjoying the game today because, I mean, although all the fights still get put on right away, we're seeing some great fights. The light, light heavyweight division, we're, we're waiting for, for uh, you know, um, Errol Spence and Terrence Crawford. The lightweights are phenomenal. The light heavyweights. Hey, the heavyweight division is back. We got some great fights coming up. I would, like, I would love to see Deontay Wilder, Anthony Joshua. Yeah. Let Fury and, and Usyk fight and let Wilder and Joshua fight. It's a great division. Plus, the guys are moving up the ladder who can fight are tough guys. I can't wait to see it. But, Jerry, boxing is still the same as it was then. Certain fights aren't being made because of different promotional entities. You just mentioned Terrence Crawford's name. The reason he's not fighting Errol Spencer won't for a while at least is because Spence is promoted by Al Heyman in the PBC and Crawford is kind of like a free agent now. You know, it's just with top rank his whole career. If they were under the same promotional banner, the fight would definitely get made. Yeah, but you know what? Terrence Crawford wants too much of the pie. 
you gotta you gotta trust in yourself and your ability to take the smaller piece, and then you become the champ, and then you get the pie. It, there's, there's a system to this. It's not it's not like uh, black and white. You know, we we have to you know sometimes suck it up to make the fight that the world wants to see. And and I think that sometimes yes, it's the promoters. You're right. But sometimes it's the fighters. They get too much of an ego, and they run away with it. And listen, boxing hurts from that. But Jerry, you got half the pie against Holmes, even though he was champion, and that irked him a lot at the time, at least. It, it did. Whatever that reason, however that happened, that was, I'm sure, management had a big deal with that. Listen, that was amazing, but that, I wasn't involved in any of that. I didn't wasn't involved. In that. I was busy trying to get myself in shape to fight the best fighter in the world. I mean, listen, I for the rest of my life, I get to talk about being in the ring with Larry Holmes, my friend today. And what a great champion. He was so patient. He waited. He set me up. He was, you know, I, he dropped me in the second round. And they said, why didn't you take him out? He said, this kid has got bombs in his hands. I got plenty of time. He was patient. And what I learned in that first fight, in today's time, we got to fight a second time. And what I learned in that first fight, I know I could have taken me to beat Larry Holmes for the championship that time. It didn't happen. And then, you know, obviously, you know, I... But, Jerry, in all, in all fairness, you, you were a great competitor. And when you lost to Larry Holmes, you took it very, very hard. I did. I did. And you went into a depression for a while, understandably. And right. it wasn't the type of thing that was conducive to an immediate rematch because your head wasn't in the right place. Because of your sensitivities, you were more hurt that you felt you let other people down more than yourself. Is that correct? Is that well, what bothered you the most? I mean, that's what I was able to say. I couldn't speak for myself at the time. I was very disappointed. I wanted to fight. If, if, if they talked about a rematch, I'd have been back in that gym for a second shot at this guy. Listen, I, I had torn my rotator cuff, whatever it is. Listen, you know what it was? Let me tell you what it was, fellas. I fought a great heavyweight champion sure. who was better than me that night. That's what happened. But I believe what I learned from him that night, because fighters always learn. That's why I talk about guys who are, who are training in Bob Arum's camp. They got all top-rated guys working with each other. They're all developing at great speed because they're working hard. And that's the experience I had. I would have, if I got an opportunity to fight for a rematch, I would have been there. Now, let me tell you something. My management, Rappaport and Jones, they hated each other. I was like in the middle. This guy, that guy. I, I, I'm not supposed to be dealing with that. Right. I'm not supposed to have that. And then also, they co-promoted that fight with Holmes. I don't know if you guys are aware of that. They co-promoted the fight. Sam Glass became a promoter. And so there was a lot of stuff going on there. Anyway, whatever it is, it happened and it's done with. And um, uh, did I make mistakes? I did. But the bottom line is, between both of you guys, let me tell you, I fought a great heavyweight champion who was probably in the prime of his life right there that night. And he showed me that night. He taught me how to box. He taught me about the game. And, you know, listen, but I... You ever wait. play? I'm sure you play the fight again in your mind. And I know I like to joke with you whenever I see you. I keep saying, Jerry, every time I see the tape of the fight, you're looking better and better. And I'm not going to watch it anymore because next time you're actually going to win. That's why it's not crazy. 
But you like hurt him at the end of the fourth round with a body shot. Hurt right. him pretty badly. He doubled over a little. And he said afterwards, thank heavens the bell rang. Right. Do you think there were maybe missed opportunities in that yes. fight? That maybe had you turned it up a notch, maybe it may could have turned out a little different, even though you did fight a heck of a fight. Listen, I was trying to go the distance. I never did that before in my life. I should have went out and fought. Like I could fight, like I always fought, get inside, work that body, turn it over more. And he was very good too, no doubt about it. But I listened to the press, in my opinion. And I, I believe what they said. Like I didn't go the distance a lot. I didn't have that experience. And I tried to prove about going the distance now. Is that a bad thing to feel? No, but I'm a human being. That's what happened to me. Yeah, Mac, Mac mentioned some of the opponents that you'd beaten well-known, like Ken Norton, Jimmy Young, Ron Lyle. Some people might say that they were a little past their prime. Yes. That's another argument. But but one fight you've never been given any credit for at all, at all. S.T. Gordon, you stopped him, and he went on to become a world champion. Cruiserweight, but he went on to become a world champion after you beat him. Well, he was a very tough guy, awkward but resistant, you know, resilience. I had to keep on them. I keep on them, and I made them quit. That's what happens. You watch the fight leave the guy. When you're boxing the guy and you're setting him up and you're landing him shots, you're watching his chest, but you're also watching his eyes, and you see him start to fall apart. And so, yeah, he was a tough guy. He could punch, too. He was a big puncher. And uh, that's what happened. But so, listen, so, yes, I fought those guys a little past their prime. Jimmy Young had nine victories. In, before we fought that night, but I couldn't get Jimmy those Young other was guys. still good. He was still he a was good still fighter, good. though. He was yeah. a tough-ass guy. Yes. He was very awkward, and he was so looking for my hook that I turned it into an uppercut and cut him. But I needed more experience. Yeah. I needed some different looks from other fighters. I didn't get it. I sparred with Witherspoon. I sparred with a couple of guys, but never really what I needed. And I think it was, you know... I was kept out of the picture and my management didn't care because they wanted a big payday anyway. Yeah. But that so, wasn't best for me. So Jerry, speaking of unbelievable punchers, maybe one of the strongest punchers ever was George Foreman. And George Foreman went on to become the, of course, a heavyweight uh, title holder as he beats, you know, as he wins the title there at an old age of 40 something. I mean, incredible fighter. You fought him. Yeah. You did hurt 45, him in the, five, Mac. 45, 45 years old. You did hurt him in the first round. I but did. Tell, tell us a little bit about it, getting hit by George Foreman because I can't I don't remember. Think, <laughs> <laughs> listen, I don't listen. Think anybody got you. George Foreman was phenomenal. You saw him with uh, um, Michael Mora. He came back after the seventh round, he was falling behind, and he said, Okay, I'm going to get him this round. He was that determined. Now, listen, I hadn't fought in a while. I just got sober. I put down the booze, and I started to – and I was promoting some of George Foreman fights. Yes. And he came to me and said, why don't we fight? So I thought about it, and I said, well, I'm not really fighting, but I never did it sober before. So I took the fight. It was a good payday, and I got caught with a shot. Clancy wanted me to box for seven, eight rounds, not to slug it out with him. And that was my mistake. I was a puncher. Yeah. And I, I got inside, and I heard him. I felt it, 
and I went after it and I got caught with another. You know, I agree with you, Jerry. I've thought of that fight, and you were boxing the first round, moving, but you were expending too much energy. And I remember thinking, there's no way he's going to last the whole fight uh, boxing him, you know, like that. Because right. you were working at too quick of a pace. And you were na- naturally had you stood at ring center, traded punches. It may have been to your undoing, but that was your best chance. I mean, not just boxing and winning some of the early rounds. Well, that's right. And, you know, here's other stories that I didn't really have a lot of experience moving around. And my idea was to take the real estate away from you. I wasn't going to be running around hiding. And Foreman liked that. That was to his benefit because he made me work overwork. And 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 so I needed to settle, settle down in the pocket and, and work the jab more. But that is all lack of experience. I hadn't fought. I hadn't fought in a while. I stopped drinking. I was just new to the game. Anyway, and he was a great puncher, and he caught me and knocked me out in the second round. Now, Gil and Clancy it, trained you for that fight, your last fight, but you yeah. were with Victor Valley for your whole career otherwise. How hard was it to switch over to Gil Clancy for that fight? And it's your career. You needed to change your scenery. I compare what you did to a ball player who just finally needed to go to another team, even though he was – maybe happy with his team throughout his career. How difficult was that? Well, Gil Clancy and I were friends. I mean, I used to come into the city, into Penn Station. I'd go up to the garden and I'd hang out with Gil Clancy. We'd tell each other jokes in his office when he was running the garden. And, uh, you know, things changed. Uh, I needed a change and I moved to Gil Clancy. And he was a great guy. Not that technical. I mean, he was a great guy you know, keep moving. He was a smart man, very smart man. And listen, I'm glad I got in there with him and it didn't work out the way we wanted, but you know, I, I, it's live and learn. And Gil Clancy is a great trainer. That's why he's a hall of famer. Right. And, uh, and I love him and his family and Victor Valley. I love that man. And I had two great trainers. And unfortunately I started to drink and not take care of myself. And I think that was effect on my, career as well you know you know there was there's been there's been a few uh of fighters well at least one i know of that went down that road tommy morrison i mean tommy morrison was a very promising heavyweight and he got caught up in the in the fast life too jerry so describe to people what it's like i mean when you're on that high and you become one of the you know the top heavyweights in the world you got everything anything at your call almost everybody recognizes you that's got to be quite a high. It may be hard to control for a young guy. You know what? It is. It's scary, quite scary, when you've grown up in a different kind of atmosphere where you are hid in the basement and I didn't really come out. You know, I, I you know, out of sight, out of mind with my father, and it, it, it just is hard to get. I went from that to this, and uh, listen, I loved it. I loved all the people I met my whole life. I traveled with five or six guys I grew up with in a camp. We were eating lobster soup and, and I mean, turtle soup and lobster tail. I mean, who's got it better than that? And I'm in beautiful resorts and I trained the best I could with what I had. And I got as far as I did. And had I do had I would have had somebody to grab me by the arm after I knocked out Norton and said, be careful. Cause that's when I started to drink heavily. Jerry, Jerry, it's not, you're being maybe a little hard on yourself. It's all about environment. 
and you grew up in a rough environment with your dad because you've spoken openly publicly about this the mm-hmm. way your dad would tear you down nothing seemed to be good enough, good enough right. he'd tell you you wouldn't ever amount to anything and he and he was a heavy drinker per se and so it's kind of hard to beat that eventually you did you overcame it you're a great family man you're living a great life and that's more than any world champ, better than any world championship you could win in the ring, how you've overcome that. But it was hard. So you keep referring to drinking during your career. Was there, I mean, when did it become the most severe problems professionally? You know, I found out with Larry Holmes that he had never drank, smoked, or took a drug his whole career. I started after the Norton fight. That's when I think it really hit me who I was becoming. And I started to drink scotch to excess. And I don't know whether it was I, it, it made me numb out the pain of who I was becoming because it's hard to trust people. Listen, I'm not going to sit here and tell you guys excuses for what happened to me. I fought a great champion. I fought some great fighters. And I got, a, I went very far from who I was and where I came from. And that's it. Larry Holmes is one of the greatest heavyweight champs of all times. I got to go 13 rounds with him. And I think if I had gone to the second fight, I could have been better. Could I? Jerry, but I remember during that time when you were a young fight on the way up, you were charismatic, you know, tremendously charismatic. Everyone wanted to hang out with Jerry. Oh, it was great. It's great. Everyone wanted to go to clubs with Jerry Cooney. Why didn't we party together? I was a little older than you. We should have gone out partying. Everyone wanted to hang out with you. It was hard. Everyone's offering to buy you a drink. They're offering you this, offering you that. You know, the temptations became more, it had to be overwhelming at times. Well, you know, and it was, and I, that's what I say that we need to have a big brother. I I didn't have, my brothers were in bad place too. So I needed someone to grab me by the arm and say, pay attention now. This is important. Like I told Riddick Bowe back in the day, I said, listen, Riddick, pay attention train your ass off every day in five years you can do whatever you want and he, he didn't pay attention to it and he got himself he did he had a great career but sometimes it's just fate sometimes we go down that path and we think we're going to be able to make it through just like jerry quarry was a very tough heavyweight i used to talk to him about it but you can't when you're in the throes of alcohol addiction which was hereditary as far as I was concerned. My father's family, my my mother's family, my father had it. We were prone to get it. And so, unfortunately, listen, I have a whole lifetime to regret, to say, well, listen, man, but you know what? Listen, we're together. We're having a great conversation. I love this life I have. I love what I did. I love every time I get a chance to help somebody. And every time I talk to somebody and I think, Wow, where did that come from? You know, it's 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 a it's a gift that we're given, and I still like to be with the people, with the peoples. I I still am a, a person, man. I love people, and every place I go, I'm with the people. I'm not hanging out at my table. I'm talking to people and catching up about their life and my life. Yeah, you, you know, Jerry. I, okay, I was just just going to comment. Not only did you promote, you know, some homes fights, you've promoted. Roberto Duran, Hector Camacho, uh, even George Foreman, as you said. So, I mean, you you stayed around even after your boxing career, even to today in your broadcasting. You're still around boxing. You can tell you still love the sport, Jerry. 
I love this sport. And I, you know, uh, I've been able to, you know, stay close. I, I found the form of a foundation to help fighters get out of the ring so they don't stay too long and take too many shots. That kept me in the game. It also helped me to make uh, peace with a lot of my career. And then obviously, you know, I did do promoting. I got involved with a with a company. We promoted some great fights, some great championship fights. I, I saw uh, Duran Leonard three, which wasn't a great fight, but we got Duran, 25% of Duran, when he knocked out Davey Moore. And then we've seen him get, rise back up to power. So, yeah, I've seen a lot of great things. I've done a lot of great things. I love the game. I love the people. And listen, boxing always needs help. We need to change, let these guys get out of the ring so they can keep their marbles and enjoy their family life after the ring. It doesn't happen a lot. And I think it's getting better, and I pray that it keeps moving in that direction. The other day, Larry Holmes was speaking about today's heavyweights, saying how much better he was than them. He's not too impressed. Do you ever think along those lines, you see today's heavyweights, and you think how you might have done against them? Even if you don't want to go there with that, people come up to you and they bring up that topic. You know what? Listen, I think of Tyson Fury, who's a great fighter. He's six foot nine. It's not like maybe I'm going to get to the, to the midsection this round. Maybe I'm going to get inside and bang that body. I got to my job. I got to get inside those long arms and keep hitting him in the ribs until his hands come down. But there's something about him. He's so awkward in his fainting ability to keep you off balance. I seen Klitschko, who was, listen, it was at the end of the back end of his career, but he was still a great fighter. And Tyson Fury kept him off balance. Every time Klitschko wanted to get off, Fury would faint him and Klitschko would stop. So he's got some gift out there. Listen, you got to figure Deontay Wilder has got to hit him on the chin. One of the best pound for pound heavyweight punches in the world. He's got to hit him on the chin. Now, once you hit him on the chin, you got to finish. He couldn't do it. So listen, those guys, they're a lot bigger than we are. I don't know. It's the milk, the cow, whatever it is. They're a lot bigger, six, eight, six, nine, and they can fight. Now, Larry Holmes, he could be with anybody in his day, in his day when he was the great fighter, he gives anybody trouble. Yeah, Matt, Matt's favorite is Jack Dempsey. Now, you met Jack Dempsey when you were an amateur. You had your picture taken with him. It was one of the great thrills of your career. Tell us how big Jack Dempsey was, because we got into a little debate I did with another ride on this show, telling him that Jack Dempsey may have been bigger in his day than Ali was in his day. And people can't comprehend that. Tell us how big Jack Dempsey well, was. To let me you. tell you something. Jack Dempsey was very small. I mean, I, I have pictures of me with him in the Golden Gloves when he presented me with the Fighter of the Year award, right? Johnny Turner and myself got that award. He was very small. He was like 180 pounds. Well, he, he was an old big. guy then. He shrunk a True. little bit. True. Sure, <laughs> I'm sure he probably did. He was an older man. But those guys were small. Listen, Jack, listen, Rocky Marciano was a tremendous fighter. Big puncher. He was a small guy, 5'9", five, 5'10". Five, These guys today are 6'7", six, 6'8", six, 6'9". Six, I mean, it's phenomenal. Well, I mean, I meant iconic. How big was Dempsey as an icon? Well, That's on, what I mean. Was, I'm not talking about oh, okay. physically. I see what you're saying. Dempsey was boxing in those days. 
just like Ali came along. There's not going to be another Muhammad Ali. There's magical guys, but not like Muhammad Ali. Jack Dempsey was boxing until Gene Tunney got him, right? Didn't Gene Tunney smack him around a little bit? And he was a big, tough guy, but finesse got to him. You know, fighters always want to get the ultimate, get into an international Hall of Fame. You're in several Hall of Fames, New York, New Jersey, probably another one that I can't think of off the top of my head. Uh, So there's a little talk from some circles. Well, Jerry Cooney should be in the International Boxing Hall of Fame because it's caught the word fame. You were a famous fighter in your time, regardless of what they think of what you did it in the ring accomplishments. You're one of the most famous heavyweights, arguably, of all time. I mean, how do you feel about it when you hear that talk about a, potentially the Hall of Fame? You know what? I have a great life. I respect the Hall of Fame. I respect going up there every year, sitting with, you know, Gene Fulmer, Carmen Basilio, Sandy Sadler, Willie Pep, and all the stories we heard. Or Bob Foster, so many great fighters through the years. It was unbelievable. But I think that I'm I'm happy who I am. I'm I'm happy what I've done, where I'm at. And they have a certain procedure to become in the Hall of Fame. And I don't think I really fit that 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 place. I I listen, I go up to the Hall of Fame all the time. I love it. I enjoy the time. I enjoy the weekend. But let those guys have this. I'm I'm okay. I got a great family, a great life. I'm doing fun things. And I'm okay with who I am. I got to tell you a funny story, Jerry. At the banquet they had on Hall of Fame weekend some years back, they were playing famous clips and knockouts. And they showed you knocking Ron Lyle through the ropes. And I looked at the dais and all these all-time greats are looking in awe. You know, that was like one of their more exciting clips. Like you're leaning forward. It really got a reaction out of them. Well, that's very nice to hear you say that to me. And I'd love every minute of those guys I got to spend with them. So many great guys. You know, you with me. That was, you look at boxing in the dictionary, all their faces were there. Never meet anybody like I mean, it was so much fun. It was just, it was unbelievable. And, you know, it's changing now a little bit. It's it's a different kind of atmosphere up there than we than I grew up with. But that's, life is changing. And those guys are great fighters too. So, Jerry, you mentioned, you mentioned today's heavyweights, right? I agree with you as Fury goes. Fury can hit you going out. Fury can hit you going in. He's hard to hit. He, he's got a lot of power when he wants to use it. And he can, sure can take a punch. So I think I think Fury, if he maybe boxes a little bit more or whatever, he could he could go down as one of the best. Uh, what do you think about the other ones? What do you think about the other heavyweights out there right now? Joshua didn't look like he had uh, uh, the the mental aptitude to stay in there and fight. Usyk looks uh oh, we we lost Jerry, so hopefully he comes back at and and we'll see what happens. Jerry Jerry gets up before ten. Yes, we'll give it a slow referee's count. Okay, all right. But it's revealing stuff, you know. It's, I mean, Jerry is refreshing in that he talks about things very, right. very honestly, and there he is. So sorry, Lost you. Listen, I, we saw Tyson Fury get dropped by Stevie Cunningham. Yeah. Not really a puncher. So you got to figure that sometime during the rounds, Wilder's going to catch him with a shot, right? Right. 
got better. He went away, put on 100 pounds, came back. Nobody wanted Wilder. You know what he did? He said, I want to fight Deontay Wilder. What a treat that guy is. Half, he's half off his rocker, but a great promoter. Yes. And he, stand, he wants to fight everybody, and he's doing it. So Who wins the Joshua Usyk rematch? You know what? I think Usyk's got his number. In order to beat Usyk, Joshua's got to be in great shape, stamina-wise, and he's got to push Usyk back. He's got to keep taking Usyk's real estate away. He's got to get him on the ropes, bang the body. The few times he hit you know, Usyk in the body, Usyk was kind of like, felt, looked like frail. He's got to fight. He can't box the guy. The guy's a, a, a cruiserweight champion, Muhammad Ali Cup winner. He's phenomenal. He's a superstar. You got to fight him. Sometimes, you know, when you when the ninth round and, and, and Joshua comes back to the corner, you got to tell him, okay, forget the plan. Forget the plan. Just go fight. Get, on, yeah. get him on the ropes. Fight him. Nobody did that for him. And unless he gets somebody in the corner that's going to tell him that, he's just going to waste his time. This guy has got skills. Now, does Usyk beat, you know, uh, Wilder? Does he beat uh, Fury? Sure. I don't think he beats Fury. I don't think he can beat Fury. Fury's a bigger version of him. You know, do you so see, do you see any young heavyweights, uh, Jerry, coming up? I mean, we've oh. been waiting for another one to get up and get involved in 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 this, you know, in this three four way heavyweight thing. And and anybody that you think could break through here soon? Are you kidding me? There's uh, so many great fighters coming up right now. You just can't believe it. You know, you got guys like uh, you got uh, man, Shevitz. Frank Sanchez is a great fighter. You got, you know. Um, I mean, I don't have the names here, but you got that kid that Aram has, that young heavyweight. He's like oh, 20. Jared Anderson. Jared Anderson's going to be a beast of a guy. Joe Joyce is coming in. You got uh, that other Cuban guy who just beat. Uh, be, you got to have a lot of competition. And we're going to be able to watch it firsthand. Good, talented, durable guys that stay in the pocket and fight it out with you and can take shots. Jerry, during the time when you fought, yeah. the old timers would be around the gym and they would say the guys of today are bums, the guys of years ago were great fighters, okay? Now they're saying the guys today are bums and the guys around your time were the real fighters. I mean, make give me a little comparison here. The guys today, how did they compare to the guys, let's say, 40 years ago? Listen, Obviously, we're going to say our era was the best. But listen, we, you know, it's hard. We broke down the heavyweight division from Jack Johnson up to Rocky Marciano and from Rocky Marciano through to today. And it's hard to place to, to say what that is. Listen, the fighters in the old time were great. They were smaller. These The fighters in our time, I think, were great. You know, but every era has those guys. The heavyweight division is unfolding to be phenomenal. Yeah. A lot of great fighters that but we're going to be able to. guys grow? I was talking with Russell Peltz and the smaller heavyweights a years ago. If they were fighting today, they would have weighed more. Jack Dempsey wouldn't have weighed 188. Marciano wouldn't have weighed 188. They would have weighed more like 212 if they were fighting today. That's so true. 
And that you would have weighed more. You would have been actually a little bigger if you were fighting today. Do you well, listen, when that? I when I fought Holmes, I came in at the yeah. number for me I wanted to come in at was 225. I should have been 240 because it was 115 degrees that night. So I lost so much weight that weakened me. But listen, we could do this forever. The guys today, the guy like Fury, can be in any era. Yeah. But in my opinion, for me, I am going to break his ribs. Yeah. I will get to Fury and I will get to his ribs. You know, that's what I'm going to do. And yeah. it's not easy because he's so tall. Headshots don't work out Fury. He moves around way too much. It's hard. Well, it's, it's hard. They can, but he's so fa he faints right. so hard. You can't right. get set up with him. Do I say the old maybe if you're if you if you put the guys all in the same weight class, the same size, that's a crazy, crazy heavyweight division, but we can't really do that. No, we can't do it. We can't. In fact, as you said, you might heavyweight cruiserweight right now if it was today's fight. If he was in today's fight world, that's what he would be. So well, yeah, and um, look at the light heavyweights, Jerry. Wow, I love the I'll have Bivol, Joe Smith, Better Biev. There's a lot of good guys in that division. I've been waiting for those fights to take place. And I think they're going to finally start taking place. And uh, listen, I think Better Biev is such a beast. He's just so strong. He, he falls behind in the fight, but he lands that shot. And they can't take that shot. Mac is a Joe Smith guy. He loves Joe Smith. You yeah, Joseph is a, listen, he's a Long Island guy. He's a big, big puncher. Great shape. He gets stronger as the fight goes on. The only beef I have with Joe Smith is he has a tendency to throw two long punches. And when you throw long punches against a guy who's a veteran amateur, they learn to fight inside, shorten the punches up. They're inside. Now, yeah. I can't remember the fight's name. Um, uh Anyway, you got to get inside. You got to get close to the guy. You can't punch from outside. I just and want to touch on your relationship with Larry Holmes. You two guys were honored by Ring 8 last month in New York uh, for a 40th anniversary of your historic fight, which is actually, it's June is going to be the 40th, but you guys were honored a little earlier for that. Uh, what kind of relationship is it on a personal level? When did you guys become friends and how close are the two of you actually now? He's my friend. And, you know, he came up to me about probably three or four months after the fight in Atlantic City. And we sat down and talked about the game and what happened and how good the fight was and, and what we did. And, and he said, there's no time to be fighting. We made a lot of money. We did a good thing for boxing. We went out and we fought our asses off. And he had the experience. And we became good friends that day. And we travel a lot together. And we have a lot of laughs. And we tell the story over and over again. And we were looking to do exhibitions as kind of like a, an ambassador for boxing. But he fell down and had an injury. He fell down on three steps of, of marble steps. And he had a brain bleed. And so he's better now. But I, we can't risk that. Or we can't yeah. have that. And so we're not going to give a chance to do that. But we do around all the time. We're very close. He's got a great wife, a great family, and I love being around them. And uh doesn't get much better than that. The only problem is we'll get Does he have a daughter who boxes, Holmes Cooney, too. I mean, you can <laughs> listen, I, you know, listen, you guys never saw my daughter. 
My little girl, Sarah, can fight. She fights. She's a right-handed fighter. She throws uppercut and hooks like her old man. And she's 5'11", and she's a beast. But she's not. She's a college kid. She's got a lot of skills. She's a dancer. We're never going to see her in the ring because it's a tough business. But listen, Larry Holmes is, I'm so proud to be a friend of his. To him call me a friend and tell me that he loves me. That's a that's a unbelievable. That's unheard of in boxing. Yeah, that's excellent. Tell us a little bit about your broadcast and now you're on Sirius. Let the people know, uh, Jerry, uh, where they can find you. On I think you do a, once or twice a week you do a, a show, Jerry. Uh, I can't remember. I, <laughs> yeah, I'm on Sirius XM channel 156 every Monday, every Friday from 12 to 2. There's a great, you know, uh, um, combat show before us, MMA, and one after us. And we have a great show. We talk about everything boxing. We get all the stars on, and we break the game down. We break the fights down, and we tell the truth. And not everybody likes to tell the truth. I remember my first experience was when, you know, Shawnee Porter was going to fight. Sean Porter was going to – Showtime Sean Porter was going to fight Errol Spence. I felt bad. I love Sean Porter. I didn't think he had a shot with Errol Spence. He did a great job with Errol Spence. He beat, he, he got rocked one round, got up, but he fought Errol Spence like I didn't think he could. And so sometimes we make mistakes. And sometimes the fighters get hurt feelings. And unfortunately, we're in that game. And we have to pick the guy we think is going to win. And fortunately for me, I've picked 99% of the guys. If I can watch a round or two of these guys training, I know who's going to win. Oh, come on, Jerry. No one has a 99% accuracy of predicting fights. I mean, then let me, I'm going to be calling you up all the time. I'm going to want to put a little money down. 99%. I, let me tell you something. Jerry, I lost one on. bet. That, that's crazy, Jerry. I mean, listen, 99%. I picked, I picked one is- mistake I made was I picked Joshua over Usyk because I figured Joshua's just too big and strong. But he just followed Usyk around. You know, he just followed him around, just like Triple G Triple G did against uh, Canelo Alvarez. You can't follow the guy around. You got to cut the ring off and get inside and force the issue. They Who's the do best fighter pound for pound in the world, in your opinion? In, in the world today, wow. You know, you got a lot of great guys. Would it in be the Canelo? Would it be Crawford? Would it be? Yeah, I would Canelo? say you'd you have to say You have to say Canelo Alvarez. And there's a, a lot of great fighters. Ortiz in the welterweight division. You got a lot of some great guys. Uh, who's the guy who's just coming up? Uh, he's a super middleweight, the Belanga. He's going to be. I never saw somebody so strong as that guy. Well, he's still a prospect. He's still a prospect. Yeah, yeah, you're right. But he's he's growing leaps and bounds. And listen, Usyk is a great fighter. Um, we got those Cuban guys that are coming up. There's a lot of great fighters in, in the world today. You know, for a while, MMA took over boxing. Boxing, you know, was putting on mismatches in the preliminaries, and MMA took over. But it's boxing has righted the system, and we're seeing great fights most of the time. Jerry, when you got out of boxing, if UFC was around, could they have talked you possibly if the money was right into having a UFC match? Is it possible? No. You're a big, strong guy. If they taught you technique, you know, you may have been competitive. 
listen to you. I was a wrestler in school growing up. Oh, from I didn't know Sixth that. grade through high school. But no, I, that's not my world. <laughs> Those guys are great at that. No. Just like they couldn't get in the ring with me and fight me. I don't care who it was. They couldn't do it. Now, and now, I can't now, go in their world. Now, Jerry, you, you've talking about a lot of great matches coming up in that. There's one thing I, I, I've had, and I've talked to all our guests, and we've had a lot of promoters and boxers on, about the way boxing goes today. As Jack mentioned, different sanctioning bodies, way too many belts, um, not enough fights on regular TV where people can, even even it was just, it doesn't even have to be title matches, just the contenders. When I was growing up, we knew who the contenders were. I could tell you who was the top contenders in the middle. I could tell you that. Now you can't say that. If you go and ask somebody who this who this champion is that holds the silver belt or something ridiculous, they, in yeah. fact, they don't know who the, the regular champion is because there's so many belts. Do you think that will ever change or do you think that's that's all done? I do. I think for a period it worked fine because boxing lost its ground. And so having five or six championship belts, intercontinent, all that shit, it let the public find out who these guys were and watch them fight and they could really tell where the game was at. And then it's got to drop off. It doesn't make sense to have 15 championships. It just doesn't. And, you know, quite frankly, you know, you got to really appreciate what Manny Pacquiao did, winning nine different championships. Now, had he been years ago, it would have been probably four or five. But he's a, been a great champion. And um, I think that we have to keep writing ourselves. Listen, we do see fights on Barbarian and top rank does give us fights on ESPN. PBC put gives us fights on, on, on regular television. So we all see not enough. We miss CBS, ABC sports, but it's unfortunately these guys are making a lot of money and you know, you can get pay-per-view and bring 20 of your friends over for five dollars a piece. <clears throat> and you know, these guys want to get paid. Look at Mayweather made a over a hundred million dollars in that fight. Well, so, I'll, I'll I'll counter you there, Jerry. Where the Super Bowl is the highest rated, highest paid uh, commercials in the world, they still could do it. it. Was a big fight, Jerry. They still could do it. I think they could do it. I, yeah, listen. Why is it not happening? Do they not want it? Is boxing, you know, boxing is is dirty? You know what? Why is it happening? We don't know. But listen, we do have great fights coming up. And like a guy like Canelo or is fighting in a 100,000-seat stadium, those things are going to happen. Joshua's fighting over in a 100,000-seat stadium in England. We have the talent. Listen, you put Joshua Wilder over in England, you sell that place out. Oh, yeah. Even, with their, even if they're, they're both been bruised and got stopped and they're still great people. To, who, who doesn't want to see that matchup? I oh, want to yeah, see agree. it. I agree. I agree. I agree. Does it, does it ever bother you a little bit that you think, wow, I would like to have picked up a belt, like fought Mike Weaver, and let, let's say you had a chance to fight Mike Weaver and you'd beat Mike Weaver, and you would have actually been favored in that fight. You would have had a good chance style-wise. He didn't have the greatest chin. He was there to be hit. It, it wouldn't be a gimme. Mike Weaver would be a serious threat, but it's a right. fight that I think at your, the you who fought Holmes would be favored over Mike Weaver. Does it ever bother you that that fight didn't take place? You know, obviously I would have liked to have fought Mike Weaver, but I didn't think about belts. 
I just was in the fight of my life. Every time I got in that ring, it was a fight for my life. You know, when you get in the ring at that kind of a level, you're like a gladiator and you got to get to that guy before he gets to you. I really didn't care about belts, any of that stuff. Never did. Because, I, you know, I, I was doing what I wanted to do. I was trying to be the best I could, but I didn't have the right direction, in my opinion. And I didn't have the education growing up. I was abused and neglected. And anyway, I, I'm sick of talking about that stuff. Listen, <laughs> I had a great career. I, I did some really wonderful things. I have a great family today. I have a lot of great fans that I see all the time. Who's got it better than me? I saved my money. You know, I, you know, I, I help people every day. Right. So, so I've got, I've got to say, Mac, watching Jerry continuously over the years at boxing functions, uh, no one is more accommodating than Thank Jerry. You. Okay, oh, he always has time for everybody, and if and he, you know, he makes it a point to go out of his way to interact really well with people. Belts are not. He's a true people's champion. You know, can I just tell you something for a second? So all my life, because of my background and where I came from and I felt uh, left alone, I've been doing charities, all kinds of charities. You know, one time I did brittle bone disease. It was this little kid and they asked his mother, could I hold that little boy? And she said, don't hurt him. Those I did thousands of great charitable events you know, I did a did a, a, an event for a guy who, back from the from the military, who lost his arms and legs, and I had a very difficult time talking to him. And I asked the, the the announcer. He said he doesn't want to hear anything about himself. Tell him about your life. Those kinds of things are invaluable. That we as athletes and celebrities get a chance to help people, put the spotlight on them, raise money. That's the gift. That's, I get chills talking about those kinds of things. You know, you know, children's diseases. Uh, it's just, it's unbelievable what's out there. And we have, as athletes, come together and raised millions of dollars helping the less fortunate, the poor, the needy. You know, I, I go to see kids at an orphanage because it's a great thing to do. And I yeah. teach them boxing and through boxing, they don't have to fight no more. And they learn to love each themselves. And they accept me in. Who's better than that? Right. So, Jerry, I will before fight, we let I will you fight go. both of you guys anytime you want. <laughs> Jerry, before we let you go, because the program is coming to the end, any advice that you would have of any young kids that want to get into the boxing world? Yeah. I mean, uh, I love anything it. you can tell them. I love you say that to me because I want the parents to go to a gym and I want them to pick out the guy who's teaching defense. Anybody can learn offense. Teach defense. Teach me how to protect myself from getting hit. That's the guy you want in your corner. That's the guy that's gonna that cares about you, that's looking out for you. And then you can incorporate another guy in to teach your moves and how to sit to the side and get out of the way and be most powerful and most effective. But the most important thing is good defense, and you got to get your condition. you got to have a conditioned guy to help you work hard. Okay, Jerry. Well, Jerry, I want to thank you uh, personally. I never met you first time. Your, your, your incredible interview and 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 more about you than the fight, which I loved. I mean, I love I love talking and getting to the personal part of the athletes. That's what I love getting to when I interview. And it, it's been great having you on. I know you know Jack. I finally got to meet you. Uh, I'm glad I did. And uh, 
again, thank you for coming on our New York Sports Hero Show. And truly, not just in the ring, Jerry, you are a hero to a lot of people. Well, that's very nice of you to say. And I want to tell you, I'm going to say it again. I made a lot of mistakes, but I cleaned them up. And I turned the page, and I'm on to my life now. And it's the greatest thing in the world. Thank you. Jerry, Thank thanks you. for coming on the Thank show. You. And I hope the Knicks win for your sake tonight and your sons. <laughs> Thank you, bro. Thank <laughs> yeah. you. We'll see you there, Jerry. Peace, Take David. Care. Peace. Right, Jerry. Broadcast. Ooh.